Isn't it remarkable that one can have all the power in the galaxy and yet the words of a single senator can sway the thoughts of millions? What do you plan to do about this? For now, we must adhere to the principles of our democracy. We must let the wheels of the Senate turn. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! And welcome, welcome, welcome to The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the six-year history of the Emmy Award-winning series Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode and episode arc. We've got a very political episode coming up this week where we'll be discussing all things banking regulations, bankruptcy, warmongering, and all kinds of fun stuff that you expect in a cartoon on Saturday mornings on a Cartoon Network. Um, joining me to discuss these episodes, which are actually, you know, they get some hate, but I honestly don't think they're that bad, uh, is my good friend Kieran. Kieran, how are you, man? I am doing fantastic, thank you very much, Dominic. I am absolutely buzzing. I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm buzzing to be talking about political episodes because I concur with you that they're not as bad as people have said. And it's up to us to tell you why yes. in this discussion here. But how are you doing today, Dominic? I'm doing great. And I I was doing greater until I realized I did my typical thing where I forget to introduce myself. My name is Dominic, as Kieran so uh, eloquently put it in his lovely British accent. Um, and yes, this week we will be discussing the uh, the final one of these weird kind of trilogies that take one episode from one season and three episode, or two episodes from another. Um, we'll be discussing heroes on both sides, pursuit of peace and senate murders the first two of course being uh the latter half of or being the uh the midpoint in season three and uh the the last one being somewhere in the last bit of season two uh they've got these are these are these are interesting episodes and we'll really get into them let's let's start with with heroes on both both sides. Kieran, uh, do you have episode descriptions for us for this week? Absolutely, Dominic. We'll start off with heroes on both sides. When the Senate begins debating a bill that would eliminate government oversight of the banking clan's activities in order to fund the war, Padme and Ahsoka travel in secret to the capital of the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Amidala attempts to forge a peace agreement with the Separatists, while Ahsoka sees the people of the Confederacy for the first time. Yeah. And pursuit of peace. We're moving on to next. Do you want me to do the synopsis for that, or should yeah, we just... yeah, let's, let's get let's actually let's get them all done, and then we'll get them all out of the way. Let's yeah, get them all out of the way for you guys, so you know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> and uh, pursuit of peace. Padme, Bail, Garner, 
and Onokandafar endeavour to rally senators in opposition to a bill that would appropriate funds for millions of new clone troopers and result in disastrous consequences for the Republic. Subsequently, the transpired movement soon puts them on the target list for intimidation and attacks, and attacks, I should say, by hired guns, Chata Hayuki and Robinho. And finally, Senate murders, a shorter one, short and sweet, when Senator Onokanda passes away under suspicious circumstances, Padme sets out to find the person responsible for murdering her favourite uncle, and that is in quotation marks there, because I don't think he's really her yeah. legitimate uncle. Yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about this when we talked about um, <laughs> his episode from season season one of Bombad Jedi. I think it's more of it's, it's uncle in the um, How I Met Your Mother uh, kind of meaning for <laughs> uncle. Um, you know, uh, uncle, uncle Barney. Mar- yeah, or uncle Barney like or Uncle Marshall, Aunt Robin, Aunt Lily, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about these things. Before we really jump into the episode, I, I think we should kind of discuss um, the overall uh, nature of this episode and how it, it, it really dealt with real-world issues. And this is something that, that Star Wars has always been kind of... It's never really gone right after the real-world wor- issues, but it's still... It's not know, shied away from Yeah, them. but it's not shied yeah. away from them either, but it still doesn't... You know, this is the first time we had really sort of real-world terms like bankruptcy and, uh, you know, bank deregulation and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I wonder... If, you know, do you, one, okay, one, do you like uh, the fact that Star Wars would deal with such real-world issues? Um, I'll just throw that to you first, and then we'll come back to, to this idea in a second. Okay. Yeah. The thing is, with the, the political episodes, they obviously get a, a huge amount of bad press from fans in general. And as you quite rightly alluded to, it's principally because it relates to the real world issues and it's not something that every fan wants to see in Star Wars. They want to see action. They want to see lightsaber fights. They want to see fantastic dialogue and great character interaction. They don't always get that with political episodes, but I, I quite enjoy it personally and it is, I've found it more enjoyable as I have grown older. Um, principally because guess for me subjectively i'm a historian i'm i'm a great fan of politics and so for me i can relate this to real world and it's actually quite useful in terms of (laughs) in genuine genuinely expanding vocabulary such as deregulation which when the first time i watched this i was like what does that even mean (laughs) um to a kid of course that's that's really what you'd think but it does teach you quite a lot and i don't think it's out of place as long as it is executed right. Sometimes it hasn't been, and sometimes the trouble actually is that there's more contradictions within the the arc sometimes that make you think, well, you know, is this genuine? Is this actually believable? Um, Is there actually a political message attached to this? It's all a bit confusing and, and a bit jumbled, and I think sometimes that doesn't help it either, but overall I would say that Politics in Star Wars is a good thing because yeah. it's it's useful to know um, the machinations of these 
it's important to note, political leaders. The Senate was a major, a major institution in the years of the Republic, before the Galactic Empire, and you can't ignore that. And also you introduce yourself to the separatist parliament, which actually, and we'll come on to this a little bit later actually, as to whether you're surprised about that, but overall, it, it was enlightening, it's really, really interesting in my opinion. I'll, I'll throw it to you though, Dominic, what's, what's your views and take on politics in Star Wars? Yeah, I, I, I too, I quite like it. I, as a, again, as an older fan, so I, I think part of our message to the fans that don't like it is grow up. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. People have, you know, everybody likes different things, but I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's very interesting to look at it and, and to compare it to things in our own world. And I think it's also important to, to introduce some of these concepts to the younger generation and they can, you know, see how it was played out in, in Star Wars and, and stuff. The one thing in this episode is I wonder if they went just a, a little bit too far by throwing around the term bank deregulation. I feel like mm. perhaps if they had of um, beat it, beat around the bush a little bit and, you know, essentially described bank deregulation without throwing out that term, because I think, you know, the episode Heroes on Both Sides is very much about people on opposite ends of on opposite sides of the aisle, let's, let's put it, keep, keep it in real world terms, coming together to work on a common goal for the, be- the betterment of the people. I mean, that is the, the whole purpose of the episode. But it kind of got lost in some of the reaction. Um, it just became people arguing o- over whether bank deregulation is a good thing and, and whether how it was portrayed in, in the episode. And, and there's a lot of, and that led to just more of what we're used to, of, of you know, the two sides just arguing and not actually getting anything done. And and so I feel like if it had have been the the main message of the story could have been a little bit more focused. Um, mm. And, you know, because in some ways it kind of feels like, you know, the whole bank deregulation and the, uh, you know, working together thing are sort of equals. Like they are equally important in the story. I feel like we could pull back a little bit on the bank deregulation. Um not that I'm against the show dealing with such an issue. I, I think it's I think it's good that the show deals with that deals with this issue and in this way. <laughs> and well, precisely, but, I, I, sorry, just to interject there. Oh, I just wanted to say quickly that. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> sorry, I might have to cut that bit out. Um, I just feel that in terms of the deregulation, the, the you're completely right in the sense that it needs to be elucidated, i.e. it needs to be clarified for the audience to actually comprehend and understand, which is something that a lot of the audience didn't uh, didn't get, really. And you, you've pretty much summed up the purpose of the episode um, in terms of understanding it as heroes on both sides. And really, what is being depicted here is that there is a stalemate that whatever these politicians try and do, whether it's the good separatists and the good Republicans, the Padmes and the Mina Bonteris of this world, it doesn't matter. They're never going to win. It's always going to end in a Palpatine victory. And that's something that wasn't really promulgated as clearly as it could have been. As you said, people just getting lost in this notion of the banking deregulation. Yeah, well... Sorry, I, carry on now. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just saying, you know, I, I think that you know, it's it's good to deal with this issue. I absolutely do think that. Um, but I think the focus should have been a little bit more on people coming together, and then, like you said, Palpatine taking that away. Because, you know, what we really saw in this episode was we saw the corruption of 
you know, people of the, of the banking clan, of the trade federation, um, and, and which is also the corporate alliance as well in there. Um, and we sort of, so we saw the, um, we saw their corruption and how they were, you know, they were breaking the Senate, essentially. They were going to get the Senate to, you know, do exactly what they want and only what they want and how, pal- how, and how they would continue the war and they would continue being able to profit from it. And then Padme and Mina Bonteri came together from the two, from the, you know, from the, the separatist uh, parliament and the Repu- and the Republic Senate and they worked together to create something that would beat the corruption and then we sort of see Palpatine take it away from them. And I think that is such, that is such a, a, a powerful thing and this is why I love this episode so much. It's one of my favorite episodes from season three, I kid you not. Uh, I really feel like it was really well crafted and I, and it pains me when people just sit around arguing about bank deregulation instead. I feel like in some ways it would have been nice to, to, uh, you know, I, I like that they use this issue. I really do. And I, I, I feel like maybe if they could have been a little more subtle about it and just not thrown that word, thrown that term around, uh, mm. it would have gotten the point across better. But at the same time, I'm, I'm really torn on this because at the same time, I also think it is important to get kids to start thinking about politics and thinking about things like bank deregulation. And, and if, if, if Star Wars is a way to get them to do that, then maybe we should. I mean, and so I, I'm, I'm kind of torn on this issue because on the one hand, I feel like the, the main gist of the story would have been better suited if we had sort of left some of the, the bank deregulation stuff on the on the sidelines um but at the same time i also feel it's it, it, it's important but then on the on the on my third arm <laughs> apparently uh you know star wars has never quite done that that's always been more of a star trek thing but on the other um, other other hand why can't star wars start doing it? all of a sudden I, i'm like i'm like dexter jester i have four arms um <laughs> on the, on this, why, why shouldn't star wars start doing that to a certain extent i mean you know forget the old way for those of you that have read uh, a new dawn by john jackson miller you know like this is a new age we have to forget the old way and we have to be open to to new things being part of star wars that we would wouldn't have expected before things like flashbacks potentially uh potentially mm-hmm. found footage movies you know like things like that and so i'm i you know <laughs> i i'm being pulled four different ways by this whole uh, idea um i don't know what, what do you think about, <laughs> about all that do you have anything anything to add so, on that so that's a lot to digest there isn't yeah. it really yeah. but Got four arms there that I've got to keep track of, you know. Um, yeah, I, I I completely agree with you. If I'm being if I'm being brutally honest, which is not something I usually do, you know, agree with you, Dominic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we both get points in this scenario. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a tie at the moment. It's a tie break. Yeah. Yeah, I I generally do agree with you. I think if it was depicted a little more subtly and it wasn't labelled as the focus of the storyline, as you have stated yourself, it really would have got a, a much better reception than it actually did. That was the problem. The, the, the episode, as you said, was focused on deregulation, but actually it, it was the focus on the fact that there were five million troops. That the re- It was promulgating that the Senate wanted to expand the size of the clone army to 
and it's a supplement, I guess, five million clone troopers. And the way to do this was to remove restrictions and limitations from the banks. But that wasn't really clear. And as you said, you're just throwing around the notions of, of deregulation and, and then suddenly people get absorbed in that. When actually there's so much more in this episode and we'll come on to it. The character interactions and the synergy is really, really intriguing, I have to say. You've obviously got the relationship between Padme and Mina Bonteri. Hang on a minute. You've got a Republican and a Separatist communicating with each other. Where, you know, as it says, heroes on both sides. That's a yeah. really cool idea. And then you've obviously got Lux and Ahsoka to come into it. I think the the actual establishment and, I guess, broadcast of the fact that there's actually a Separatist parliament is really, really interesting. And I don't know about yourself, but it certainly has really amended my particular image of the separatists. The fact that they have a parliament, which is something you wouldn't really consider if you've only seen the films. <laughs> you yes. just see the separatist council, Dooku Grievous, that's it. Um, but actually, the, they genuinely believe in what they're saying. They genuinely believe, and they're right, that the Republic is corrupt. Oh, yeah. And that we are independent from the Republic because we don't believe in it anymore. We don't believe it exists. We believe that it's just become this malfiescent society. Um, and that's something that they don't agree with. And so to abridge this together, I just feel that there's so much good in this episode. And it is a real shame that it gets lost with the throwing around of these different terms that I... Kids aren't going to understand. It's got to be honest. It's brutal, but it's true. Kids are not going to understand what deregulation means unless you explain it properly. And it never was. It never was at all. I myself, when I first watched this episode, I had to go and look up the term. It was only a couple of years ago. or I'd say that. It was probably four years ago now. But it, 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 that's not something that kids should really have to do. Um, and so... It's really intriguing, it's fascinating, but I just think that the way it was executed and actually exerted, it, it, it just wasn't as effective as it could have been. But that's not me saying it was a bad episode, that's just me saying how it could really have been improved. And I don't know whether you agree with any of those sentiments, you kind of echoed some of them earlier, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do agree and, and I don't agree. I, I, like, I, on the one hand, I, I, I see what you're saying about, you know, kids going in and looking up, having to go and, you know, look up this stuff. But on the one hand, is, is that necessarily a bad thing to encourage kids to go in and research this type of, of stuff? I, I don't know if it necessarily is. I think that that could be actually a, a good thing to encourage people to get more involved. And if, even if it's sort of the Clone Wars giving you that, the, the, the kick to go and do that. And I, and I do think that, you know, I, while deregulation is, is is a complicated issue, I do think it was explained fairly well, albeit basically, um, in this episode in terms of, of what was going on. Now, that may just be me bringing in my own, you know, I think it's understanding easy when you thing. understand yeah. the term and you can comprehend it. But if you don't, I personally, for me, I didn't understand it until I looked it up. That was just my fault. And I... You're right. It's not a bad thing to look up things. <laughs> you know, looking up things is only going to help expand your vocabulary and understand so much more. 
But I feel that if you're in an episode dealing with these topics, it would be a lot easier if you actually explain it yourself as the writer to the audience so that they can understand the episode. Because, I mean, it wasn't really... The episode, it didn't... And it shouldn't have revolved completely around deregulation. In my opinion, I don't think it really was. No. But... If you would just explain it properly, then I think it can make the episode so much better in terms of its understanding, and then you can appreciate the other elements a lot more. Um, that that's you know that's my view on the episode uh, in in terms of the, the I should say the term deregulation, but um, in terms of you said kids looking up words uh, to understand their meaning, it's not a bad thing at all. Um, I just feel that the methods used here could have been ameliorated, so to speak. Sure. Sure, that's uh, that's fine. That makes sense. Uh, let's let's move on a little bit. Let's let's kind of jump ahead in the series to to well, season six a little bit, um, because in season six we kind of we kind of see the the results of this to an extent because we see the uh, you know the banks have been deregulated and they're now charging these I- I- insane interest rates, and we kind of learn in season six that. You know the banks are out of money. <laughs> they're they're kind of, the you know the loans are not being able to be paid back, and they're they're kind of kind of out of money. And and how just how we see again just how corrupt the banking clan is. You know the way Clovis gets uh, beat around and stuff. And it, it it was kind of it was interesting to to watch this episode now, kind of knowing a little bit more about where it was going and and just seeing um, you know how important this was to Palpatine. Uh, you know that it, he is going to be able to you know fun death stars and stuff it yeah. it, it really seemed uh, did having seen season six did that change your impression of this episode at all i think so i i think it does because you finally get to see the results of this i think another one of the issues with this particular arc that people had was that it kind of came out of nowhere <laughs> if we're being <laughs> honest um particularly when it was aired it it just seemed like where, where is this come from? What what is the necessary purpose of this storyline? Um, if we're going to deal with it, let's deal with it properly. Um, and I guess people thought well, the, the couple of episodes on it just wasn't necessarily enough. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're never going to please everyone. People think it's too political. People think it's not enough. Um, but it's good to see that in season six they did go back to it, and to an extent, it paid off. Um, because you do then find out and discover the results of this, which of course ended in Palpatine's failure. Uh, sorry, in Palpatine's success. Rather, it was in, in Padme's failure. Um, I mean, in terms of that, 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 you know, that was really fantastic just to be able to actually learn that. I'm probably going to ask you a question now, actually, in, in relation to this. Um, what did you think about the the nature of the episode? And what I mean by that is. It started off obviously with the heroes on both sides arc, and, and, it seemed, and you had this, this sense of optimism. I, I thought personally that something's actually going to be done, and then it was suddenly wiped under the carpet, and then Coruscant was attacked. But then at the end of the second episode, it was a similar thing again, wasn't it? That Padme had that grandiose speech at the end that made everyone think, "Yes, we're finally going to do something. We're not going to deregulate the banks or." Um, fund of extra five million clone troopers, um, and then at the end of the Senate murders, it was wiped under the carpet. Um, what did you make of the whole nature of the episode, and and uh, just your opinion on it? I guess really. 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I, I think um, the idea of, of putting it in with uh, with Senate murders is it was an interesting choice um, because you know we we don't re- Senate murders. Well, it kind of deals with it. It doesn't. You know the the whole political aspect of it is kind of in the background compared to um, what happened in the in the foreground, and it's 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 an interesting message I think because you know we see them achieving success and being beaten down, and achieving success and, and being beaten down, and it's almost you know these are this is you know it's it's kind of seeing Palpatine in control. He is totally in control. He he, he makes sure they fail at the end of the first episode, and then in the second episode, you know. He isn't directly involved, but his, you know, the actions of his associates um, are the result and things failing. And I think it's it's interesting. The message is almost that you know, if you're you have if you want something done, it has to be your sole focus. Because in um, Senate Murders, you know, Padme and Bale and and Mon Mothma and all these people, they stop focusing on getting the votes they need for uh, this this big important vote. And they just focus on this, on this side mission. And it's kind of, you know, on the one hand, it shows Padme's compassion and it shows why she's a good person and probably, you know, the kind of person that you actually want in politics. But it also shows how she kind of gets beaten by the system because while she's doing this other thing that's very important, very personal, um, you know, the, everything that she has worked for is, is undone basically. Because it's it's this you know it's it's the whole idea of, of balancing you know your personal life and your career and you know usually we see that in shows in terms of you know love life but this time it's it's something it's it's an old friend uh, you know an old advisor someone you respect and, and care about a great deal has been killed and you want to mourn them but by mourning them and trying to get get justice for their murder you have mm-hmm. to ignore your your real job. Uh, which is in this case senator, and as a result, the vote passes that you were fighting to defeat, and it's you know it's it's kind of it's it's a it's kind of a depressing message, but it's a true one, and mm-hmm. it's it's again you know th- these episodes are very real, they are very real, they deal with very real issues that happen in the real world in terms of this, this, you know, lobbying for votes, you know, you see Padme going and visiting um, the Quarren Senator, something we kind of joked uh, last week with evil or last time with evil plans. Um, but, you know, they throw that party to get votes from that guy from, from Senator Ang, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all about, you know, these, these are very real things that go on. I, it's politically motivated. Isn't yeah. It? It's all politically motivated and it's, it's, you get a kind of a, and as we as we know, politics can be very depressing. I mean, you you, you watch the news, or you follow this stuff, um, even if you follow it in a, in sort of a more comedic way in, through something like The Daily Show or, or or what have you. You know, you you still get the you still get the sense of just how depressing this can be and how difficult it is for good people like Padme and Bale and Mon Mothma and and, and Anaconda Far to get stuff done because. There are cowards, and there are corrupt people, and there are evil people. And as a result, the good people, it, it's very hard for the good people to win. And th- this arc showed that in a depressing way, but 
you know, it's, it's, it's a depressing truth about reality. It's an inconvenient truth, you might say. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's unfortunate, but, you know, that was kind of, I think that was kind of the point of this arc, and it got that point across very clearly. Well, absolutely, and it, it was so blunt as well. I think we should, uh, as we move on from this, and talk about the fact that the Mooner senator, whose name has escaped me, the, the one of the banking clan near, next to Lot Dodd and uh, Senator Sam. Nixcard. Was, Nixcard is his name, Nixcard. Is it, I believe he's the same one in season six, am yep. I correct? Yep, yeah, Nixcard. When he decides to put forward the notion of attacking Coruscant at home, which, were you surprised at the fact that Coruscant had not been attacked for a thousand years? No, not, not really, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, one, because at the time we were still trying to retcon everything with the, with the old EU, which is now Legends. Um, and, and, you know, the last time we had seen Coruscant be attacked was in the, uh, the Old Republic trailer, and that would have been about 3,000 years ago. Um, but it doesn't surprise me because we know that the Republic is coming off, you know, a thousand years of peace at least. Um, you know, that's the sense that we get from, you know, everything we've seen up until this point. Um, and every, and everything from the dialogue, you know, the Sith have been extinct for, for millennia, all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and so there, there's not really somebody to really attack <laughs> Coruscant. There's nobody who would dare attack Coruscant. Um, uh, there really hasn't been a big, big war that would merit an attack on Coruscant in that time. And we haven't seen the Separatists get there. We know that, you know, the sep- when the Separatists attack Coruscant, in Revenge of the Sith, it's a big deal. Um, so yeah, it, it made sense to me that Coruscant hadn't been attacked in a thousand years. Um, how about yourself? Yeah, I I would absolutely concur with that. Actually, particularly as you said the the quote from Episode One. The only thing that really surprised me, and again, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this, is it seemed so easy, didn't it? <laughs> Uh, it really did. And yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think that's more a comment on the fact that the Republic is so corrupt. But, I mean, what did you make? I mean, they were using sweeper droids um, to, yeah. to blow up the generators, the power generators. And uh, it, did it did it to you? Not, ah, say that again. As I tuck my twist, ah, I tuck, tongue is twisting like Jar Jar. After, my tongue uh, is fat. My tongue is the thing. Um, <laughs> Um, did, did you not think it was really easy how the Separatists actually managed to cause so much panic at the heart of the Republic? Um, you know, on the one hand, it is kind of surprising that they were able to get through. But but on the other hand, it's it's a very, you know, it's, it's an espionage move. It's not like they're sending battle droids. Uh, like, you know, they're not like they're sending, you know, typical B1 battle droids or super battle droids or even droid decons. They're sending, you know, basically time bombs and they're sent to infiltrate and it's, it's an espionage play. So it, and, you know, things, things in espionage tend to seem, a, or, you know, in, in spy movies and things like that, you know, they tend to seem a little bit easier than maybe they should, um, for, you know, to break into the, you know, the, the highest ranking offices or, or what have you, or, you know, typical stuff in spy movies. And so it, it kind of plays into that. It's, it's very, um, very much a, a play of, of, of espionage and so they're able to just kind of get these droids in there with um you know with forged but real looking you know identification 
uh, and they were able to get in and, and blow things up. And, you know, I mean, they did damage, but they didn't do that much damage. You know, they, they blew up a power generator, they turned off the lights for a little bit, they, you know, they, they, which led to, you know, some panic and some rioting. Um, but, you know, that was in a fairly contained district. I mean, you think about the size of Coruscant. Um, you know, this, and, you know, all things considered, it's not like they blew up the Senate building. You know, this, you know, I, I feel like Cad Bane did more damage than, than, than Grievous here. Mm-hmm. Cad Bane exposed a bigger weakness in the, in the, in the Republic security than, than Grievous here. Um, you know, if they had blown up the, the Senate building or, or, you know, just done an all-out attack on the planet like they do in Revenge of the Sith and, and you know, c- kind of like what we saw in the old micro series, if it was something like that, then I, I think it would have made, then, then I think it would have been sort of been like, wow, you know, this is a big deal. Whereas this one was just kind of a, it was a scare tactic. That was all it really was. And, uh, and it works, but it, it, it wasn't, it didn't seem to be me to be, uh, uh, you know, too, too, uh, you know, I, you know, it, it <laughs> lost for words. Lost for words. I, I, there, I, do, yeah. I do understand what you mean. It's not, it, it's not too unrealistic, I guess. It, it could happen. Um, I, I was just, as you said, you, you've given enough, um, some good statements there, uh, to, to back your points. I, I, I genuinely think that it, it was certainly on purpose it was easy, but they went for all the right channels as well. Uh, yeah. Obviously, they didn't have that same impact, of course, as, as saying destroying the Senate building, but obviously we see that there's senators akin to Nix Card and Lot Dodd on the Coruscant, who I'm sure would have been able to alleviate the passage of these detonated droids. Yeah. Exactly. To to the generators, and that's something that, of course, <laughs> they're always keen to put down whenever in, they're in that Senate chamber, and they go and say, this is incredible, we are neutral, we are not, you know, as separatists, according to Article 87, I, my, I remind you, and all this stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is, though, and... um it just really illustrates, I think, the corruption that is deep within the Republic. We know it already exists, but I think this effectively showcases how how deep in, in corruption a Republic has really become. And it's all to do with that one man, yeah. Chancellor Power Property. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's 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 quite something, you know. It, it 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 really, like you said, it shows the corruption in a way that we really haven't seen before. I mean, we've seen lots of allegations of corruption, and we know that, you know, Lot Dodd is obviously working for both sides, um, or working for Dooku, really more than anything. Um, uh, and so, in and in this episode, it was very well stated that you know these guys they needed something to happen, and it just showed how broken the Republic is, and you know. People don't like the pre- the politics and the prequels, but you know, if the Republic was was strong, if it was this strong beacon of of, of democracy and and hope in the Republic, then it would not have been possible for someone like Palpatine to take over. I mean, you see in Episode One, you know, uh, Valorum is obviously corrupt. You know, Palpatine points this out, and that's how Palpatine is able to get um, you know, Queen Amidala to to put forward the vote of no confidence. I mean. You know, Palpatine is really, you know, he's, he's, 
he's basically, for those of you that have watched um, the Netflix series House of Cards, he's basically Frank Underwood. I mean, Frank Underwood is basically Palpatine. You know, I would love to see something, like some kind of parody that takes the prequels and gives Palpatine that sort of same, you know, look at the camera moments that, that, that Kevin Spacey has in that series. You know, like like in episode one, you know, with, when Queen Amidala, is, he's talking to Queen Amidala in the in the Senate chamber, you know, just look, look at the camera. Queen Amidala, technically the ruler of the Naboo. Shit, but she is young and naive. She just needs a push in the right direction. And then he, you know, goes and whispers in, in her ear, you know, and not enter the bureaucrats, the re, the true rulers of the Republic. And then that leads her to call for the vote of no confidence. I feel like this is, you know, it's, 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 it's the same kind of thing. It, it, it shows just how broken the, the Republic is. And, as a result, it's what we, what we, it, it's how it, how it fell. Um, and it wouldn't have fallen if it wasn't like this. And so the politics of episodes like this and of the prequels in general is crucial to understanding the Star Wars story, uh, to mm. completely understanding it on a, on a macro scale. On a micro scale, maybe not so much if you're just focused on Anakin and, um, but even on Anakin, because Anakin's story is so connected to the overall galaxy, especially in the first half. Um, you know, in the, in the originals, maybe it's a little bit more focused in on, on Luke and, and, and things like that. But it, in order to understand the story of the Star Wars galaxy, you really need to know this. Um, and and um, it's, it's crucial stuff. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Absolutely. And I was just going to pretty much summarize your point there was saying that you, you can't necessarily have uh, a great story like Star Wars without some context. And of course, with the saga, you've got the political backdrop of the Republic, the Separatists, and then that obviously transforms into the Empire. If you don't really understand the politics and necessarily how that has come about, then you don't always understand the characters because you won't understand their motivations. Um, I remember saying a, a line to you before we did the show, Dominic, when I was saying the Star Wars Rebels trailer, the the little sentient goat-like character who says, I remember a time before you Imperials arrived and Obi-Wan Kenobi in episode four, before the dark times, before the Empire. Well, this is pretty much showcasing, um, and actually, in a way, as I think about it, distorting one's view, because (laughs) distorting their views, because in actual fact, it was corrupt back then. It just wasn't... It wasn't claimed as an empire. It, yeah. it, it just was. It was an all but name almost. It, yeah, almost, wasn't it? Almost. Yeah. There. I mean, you know, I'm sure that the republic had some stuff left over from when it wasn't quite as corrupt, or um, that still was still in place that you know helped people like the the Godel in the in the rebels uh, premiere. Um, but uh, in instead, but you know, and then when the empire took over, they you know wiped all of that out and made things even worse. But yeah, it, it definitely you know the the Republic that I think Obi-Wan is, is reminiscing about is more the the historical one that goes back thousands of years. That is sort of what we pictured the Republic would be in the prequel trilogies, even though that wasn't a very realistic expectation. If you if you really think about it, what we got is is really how it how it needed to be in order for it to make sense that it would fall um, so easily. To be perfectly honest about it, so easily, um, and, and, and yeah, and, and I think Obi Wan is also, like you said, I think they're reminiscing about the the notion of it, the idea um, that this is out there, 
And, you know, it's, it's one of those, <laughs> it's one of those things, you know, people say, you know, democracy is the worst, it's the worst, uh, uh, form of governance, uh, unless you count all the other ones, <laughs> you know, there are going to be problems, but it's, it's still better than the alternative. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's very interesting stuff. Uh, let's, let's get into some more, uh, let's, let's get into sort of the Ahsoka and the Padme and the Minabontari and all this kind of stuff here. Um, but first, let's let's talk about the way Anakin describes the war. <laughs> um, I love this. He's just like, you know, the, the Separatists think the Republic is corrupt. They're wrong. And we need to show them. It's basically Anakin's way of thinking about it. And it's sort of like, it's one of those moments where it's it's not so much a dark side moment, but it's sort of a moment where you're like, yeah, I can see how this guy becomes Darth Vader. <laughs> um, and so he sends uh, sends Padme and Ahsoka off on this, on this little mission to go. Uh, or, well, he, he doesn't send them off. They go off on this mission. He leaves them alone. Uh, and they go off on this mission. And um, it was very interesting to see, you know, Ahsoka basically accuse Mina Monteri of, of starting the war and Mina's response. And again, it shows the response of the good people versus how, you know, other people respond to things. You know, when people start, you know, when, pa- when Padme sort of suggested there were good people in the Separatists, she got called a traitor. And then... By, by you know all these re- reactionary senators, whereas you know Mina Monteri is accused of starting this war that is killing millions, and she's just sort of like, really? Well, let's talk about that. Why do you say that? And uh, here's the alternate perspective. Uh, take that into consideration in, in a very sort of polite and thought-worthy manner. And it's again, it's showing these are the people we need in politics, <laughs> um, but they wind mm. up dead. <laughs> again, it's that that's kind of depressing, depressing notion. Uh, would would you agree with that, or am I off base there? No, I I would certainly agree with that. I have to say, I think it's really, really fascinating just to illuminate to the audience the fact that there are these, I'm putting air quotation marks here, of good politicians out there, and Bina Bonteri pretty much exemplifies that, really. Um, and it's unfortunate, obviously, her demise and yeah. what particular political message or just message in general that's carrying is uh, you know, can be open to interpretation. Um, I I think that the, the the Anakin view here of saying that the separatists believe the Republic are corrupt, they're wrong, it's our duty to restore order, is really a dogmatic and just narrow-minded perspective on the war. And you wonder whether that is because of Palpatine's input or whether it's actually the the Jedi as well, because obviously he is the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy. Um, you, you, I guess you have to be of that view, don't you? If you particularly if you're fighting and, and killing sentient beings, beings, I should say, then you must think that you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, but but then, then here's the thing: they're not really. I mean, they're they're, they're not killing droids, with the exception of you know, Dooku and Lux's father. Um, you know, and that that raises a question about you know Lux's father. I mean, was Lux's father essentially like a, a Rift Tamson, uh, or a or a, oh, what's the guy that James Arnold Taylor plays in, in um, 
in the Citadel. Citadel, yeah. Oh, Sobek. Oh, Sobek. Because, like, you know, Mina Bonteri paints this picture of this sort of good man with these droids, but the only separatist leaders, or, or you know, separatist, you know, living leaders that we've seen are all these like evil, evil people, <laughs> like Rift Hansen and O.C. Sobek and um, the Scottish guy in the movie. Um, oh, I, I'm bad with names today. I'm, ah, I don't don't know what's wrong with me. Um, oh, I know. I, his name escapes me as well. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it, I, I, the blue little war-looking yeah, figure, the blue guy. Um, it, it's interesting. It's, it's kind of interesting to think about uh, the fact that yeah, and, and that's something that kind of gets brought up in this war that you know people are uh, that you know people are dying, but they're just clones and they're just droids. Or is that a way? Is that the way to look at them, you know, I mean, that's, that's something that kind of gets brought up in the, these episodes when, when, you know, Padme is objecting to the idea of, of buying more droids or buying, buying more droids, buying more clones and that they're dying. And somebody says, you know, well, isn't that what we bought them for? And, you know, we, as the viewer know that these, that these clones are absolutely real people. We, we've spent time with them, especially people like Rex and fives and Cody. We've, we've been on these missions. We've seen them grow as characters. So we know how, horrible a statement that is but it seems to be that there's this over overwhelming belief that you know the, the republic it's basically droids versus droids i mean you know it's one thing for the separatists not to care because then it's you know it's, it's money it's parts whatever um the battle droids don't really have personalities it's not like it's c3po and r2d2 out there um no. um but at the and, and but then there's the republic that you know they're buying living breathing things um and that have personality and, and lives and, and, and all this stuff and they obviously don't care about them and as, again it kind of shows the the disconnect between the republic and and what i was actually going on and you know ahsoka says as much at the beginning of this episode when she sort of says you know i thought this was supposed to be a discussion about war but all people talked about was money and yeah. it, again it just kind of shows the the how broken the republic is and Again, it shows this whole notion of of how of why it was able to fall, and and that's kind of the the overwhelming point of these episodes. Um, anyways, um, well, I, I feel we've 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 avoided the the elephant in the room for long enough. Let's let's talk about Lux Bonteri. Um, so, first question: Are you pro or con Luxoka? Am I pro or con Luxoka? <laughs> If only, if only that was such a simple answer. I, <laughs> I, I don't mind their so-called love. I, I, love. I, I think that's quite a, a strong crush. word, actually. Maybe or their crush. Crush. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Crush. <laughs> I don't. I mean, obviously, we've seen how far it goes. Which is not very well. Far. I, I, up to up to this point, I might add, and you know, there might be something in Rebels that we don't know. Yes, that's that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what happens in Rebels? Um, but on on a serious note, um, their relationship is so oh, it's so surreal, really, isn't it? I when you start looking at this particular episode. For me, I get the impression that they're laying the foundations for something more. And to an extent, they did, because we get to see more of Lux and Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were basing it on just the a Friend in Need episode, you'd think, oh, there's actually something here. 
But then they completely turn that story right round on its head when we come to the Onderon arc. Well, do uh, they? He's, I, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, you know, Ahsoka is a Jedi. She is sworn not to have relationships, not to be in love, and, and all this stuff. Lox is not made at anywhere near such a such a such a bold um, commitment to anybody. Um, and so, you know, where I think there's definitely a crush in this episode, and they and they sort of they keep. They, they obviously both think about each other up until they see each other again in a friend in need and they sort of exchange that look. Um, and then, um, but then, you know, they have to move on from each other. And while Ahsoka has no one else to think about in, in, in that sort of romantic way, um, Lux is able, Lux doesn't have that sort of, that the, the Jedi code hanging over his head to say, uh, no, you can't be in relationships. And so he, is able to move on with let's with with Stila. Um and so it, it's kind of a, it kind of juxtaposes I think the the Jedi um lifestyle versus the uh the non-Jedi lifestyle <laughs> and and as a result we sort of see how you know Ahsoka's and Ahsoka kind of has to deal with that in in the Onderon arc which we'll talk about when we get there. Um yeah. But but you know and and then who knows where it's going after that. I mean there's you know, spoiler alert, Steel is dead. <laughs> so oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. shocker. Um so there's there's definitely there's that. Um So so come so to come on in, Double Dick, what about yourself? You asked me, <laughs> are you are you a pro Lasoka? Lasoka, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to do the, the, the two names there together, or are you a or are you a con Luxoka? Um <laughs> Um, sure, I'll say I'm, I'm for it. I, I mean, who else? I, 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 there's not really a, a somebody else. There's nobody else that seems to have presented themselves as a potential um, love interest for Ahsoka, and I think that's an important part of, of, of growth for all characters, male or female. I'm not writing this off as, as just a, a female thing. I mean, this is an important thing for, for Obi Wan, for Anakin, and I'm sure if we saw their backstories, Mace and Yoda and, and everybody else. So, because um, I know sometimes in, in, in stories, you get that sense that the female characters are just there to be, um, love interests, and I don't think this is the case in, in this scenario. I think this was important to show Ahsoka dealing with, with, um, you know, growing up, and and this is part of that. I mean, let's be honest; it, it is part of that. And as we know from the rest of the series, this is absolutely not her sole driving force throughout the series. So I don't I don't want to come across as, as as though that's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll say I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I think it's important uh, important character growth. Um, you know, Lex is one of those characters that uh, I can't say favorite character but certainly don't dislike him i don't groan whenever he comes on the screen as i know some people do um i think he's he's got an interesting character arc as well i mean we sort of his his prior life um is kind of hinted at in this episode where he says you know before the war he was always told the jedi were good now the jedi are viewed as evil and then so he's already confused and then his mother is killed and he's confused again and he, he starts looking into it and he figures out dooku and and so he's got a very interesting character arc as well. So I'm, I'm so yeah, I'll, I'll say I'm pro Luxoka for, for the time being. Um, unless, you know, like you said, more, unless new information comes to light and, and rebels or whatever else is coming down the line from, from Lucasfilm that could pertain to these characters. Um, so yeah, so there we have, 
there we have that. Um, let's let's talk. Let's go back. Let's kind of for for this uh, for for our heroes on both sides discussion. Let's bring things full circle and talk about some politics again. <laughs> um, and, and this time, it's I want to look at at the um, Confederacy, um, and just um, to start off, you can tell that they are obviously trying to separate themselves from from what the Republic is. I mean, you look at Coruscant; it is this massive city. As as Rick Oley says in in, <laughs> in episode one, the the planet is one big city. Uh, and then you look at Raxus, where the Separatist Parliament is, and it's gorgeous, lush greens, and it's it's very scenic. And so they're obviously trying to separate themselves on every level possible from what the Republic is. Um, is that something that popped out to you at all? Absolutely, and it really reminded me of really ancient Rome. Uh, just, just I think the glamour of it, the the ornate design. It was really, really uh, an aesthetically pleasing spectacle. I think is the way I'm going to describe it. Um, <laughs> I just think that it was it was so intriguing to see how the separatist parliament actually worked. And as I alluded to earlier, the fact that a separatist parliament actually existed, we'd only seen the separatist council, and it really seemed quite despotic. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's not to say that it isn't. And it, it, it really is. But there's still the, sim, the same way um, how the Republic runs. The, the parliaments are a facade in reality. Yeah. Because you have the leaders, Palpatine and Dooku, who are effectively making the decisions. And if something doesn't go their way, well, then that will be changed. That will be amended very quickly. But uh, before I go into that too much... I'll, I'll get your thoughts then on what you made of just the separatist parliament and really the conceptualization of the fact that the, the separatists had their own yeah not senate in a way yeah it's one of those things that you know I'd never thought about it before season three but when it was brought up it was like oh my god this makes so much sense of course they have a parliament I mean they're trying to establish themselves as a massive governing body for planets in the galaxy. So, of course, they have to have this. Um, you know, I, I, and I think sort of the, um, the the separatist parliament is more for dealing with, you know, the real issues, you know, kind of the, the you know, the, the, the things that are more on a human level, um, whereas the, the separatist council of, you know, of all the corporations basically deal with, the war and, and keeping the war going and, and making money. Whereas, you know, and, and it was interesting to see that, you know, cause these people obviously think they're, they're in control. We know they're not. Um, they, they, they vote to, to do this. And it was interesting to see Dooku as a political leader. I mean, that's something we've never really thought about before. It's something that's been hinted at. I mean, he's called a political idealist and we know he's the leader of this. This was one of those things where it's like, I've never thought about this. But it makes sense. This whole concept of the separatist parliament and Dooku leading it. And it was really, it was, I'm, I'm glad they showed it. I think it was very interesting that they showed it. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting was that, you know, as much as they were trying to separate themselves from the Republic, they still were the Republic to a, a larger yeah. extent. I, I mean, you know, in, in some ways, you know, the Republic has all the corporations and everybody and, and, and the Republic and all the Senates 
Um, they're doing everything in the one place, whereas, like I said, I feel like the separatist parliament is a little bit separate from, you know, the actual war decisions that are being made, whereas I think the republic kind of has all that together. Like, I don't think the, um, the separatist parliament votes at all on, you know, buying more battle droids or, or whatnot. Um, but they still, like, you know, the corporations still had seats in the parliament. Um, you know, the, the corporate alliance is there. And they say, and you know, the corporate alliance says, you know, we will never support this. And one of the other, um, I guess it would be um, members of parliament, I guess. Um, one of the other MPs will say. <laughs> or or do they call them uh, senators in this? I'm trying to think. Because I know for like, for for, for Canada at least, because we, we don't have a Senate, we have parliaments. Well, I mean, we have a Senate, but Senate doesn't really do anything. Um, the real powers in Parliament. We say members of Parliament. I know um, Britain. You're also um, a, a Parliament. Um, yes, yeah. it's just MPs, right? Members of Parliament. Yeah. Um, in these these episodes, did they like? Because I know they called her Senator Bonteri, but was yeah. that Padme just you know remembering when she was an actual senator? Or I, I think I think she is because it's really, as you have alluded to, an emulation of the Republic in in, in a way. Uh, we look at the corruption, but I think the actual conception of it is very, very similar. Um, and you can look at the way that it functions as well. And there's not too much dissimilar from the Republic in that sense. Obviously, you've got the senators there debating the subject, how they debate it. It seemed a bit more amicable, I have to say, with the separatists than it did with the squabbling Republican senators. Yeah, uh, and, it, and well, it certainly... Uh, Okay, jump in. I was yeah, I was gonna say. Well, I think the republic is is very corrupt, and I think the the separatists, uh, maybe on the sort of the the senator or MP level, maybe they're not necessarily corrupt, or or there's less corruption there. Um, but you know, the one guy says this is a democracy, and unlike the republic, corporations don't rule us. Well, the truth is, the corporations are ruling them from afar. They just don't quite realize it. Um, exactly. So I, I do feel I do agree that there was a little bit more amicable. Um, that was still, um, you know, hotly debated. Obviously, people have strong opinions about about this, um, as they should. Uh, you know, it's a war for crying out loud. People should have strong opinions about yeah. that. Um, um, and so, I, but like, I, I do agree with you. I think there's sort of a sense in there that you know we're not corrupt. We're we're better than the Republic, and um, as a result, you know, in the Republic, the corporations are able to buy off the senators, um, but in the uh, in the uh, in the in the separatist parliament, they sort of say, "All right, you guys can have your little fun with your little parliament over there. We're going to go make the real decisions over here, and uh, yeah. yeah, you're going to have to make those decisions. We're not going to let you really have any say, but we're going to let you think that you made this decision." Um, and- well, this reminds me exactly of um, a historical case study that I can think of. Um, just to quickly enlighten you, we're talking about real world events, and it does, in a way, relate to the real world. How in Russian history. Um, immediately prior to the Russian Revolution in 1917, 1905, they established a Duma, uh, which was a parliament. And this parliament was supposed to be working entwined with the emperor of Russia, who was Nicholas II. Basically, this parliament put through legislation to do with greenhouses. Ooh, greenhouses, rather than about social, political, economic and cultural changes, which are the clearly the most important issues of the day, they're talking about greenhouses. And it, it, that, in, it, in a way, kind of sprung to mind in 
it, well, it sprung a light bulb, I should say, um, in my mind, because this is exactly what the separatist parliament is like. It's not really doing anything. It's just, it's just a show. It's a facade, as I said. It, it really isn't putting through any real legislation. Uh, they think they are, but in the end, it's all going to come to nothing. And the real powerhouses, in the case of Russia, the emperor and his aristocrats and nobles, and in this case, Dooku with his separatist council, or actually just Dooku and Palpatine, um, they were the ones who were actually overseeing and making the real decisions here. And I, I, I did think it was interesting, though, going back to the separatist parliament a little bit, how how the voting structure worked. And to me, <laughs> it seemed a little more, well, it seemed quite, I don't know how you could really differentiate between nay and yay. Was it, was it based on how I'm loud sure, it was? I'm sure, it's, I'm sure it's like when you go to the, uh, the sports, uh, to sports events and they're like, all right, everybody, let's make some noise. And they have those, <laughs> those, those sound meters on the, on the Jumbotron. I'm sure those are totally fake, but I'm sure they have some like real version of it in the Star Wars galaxy. Cause of course they can, <laughs> they have that technology, obviously. Uh, yeah, they can figure out somebody's face from, you know, behind a shadow and a hood. Surely they have yeah. technology that can measure which side was louder so when the eyes all went aye and the nays went nay you sort of got a sense of which one was louder which one was quieter and dooku is just you know sitting from wherever he is he sees an honest monitor he's like all right the eyes have it that's obviously what happens i I just love how it was decided though because in the republic it seems like every time they try and put some legislation forward it's always like oh this debate's gone on for too long we'll have to call it another day then and they like close the session down and it just, you know, prolongs the actual, uh, <laughs> yeah. the actual promulgation of the legislation uh, or putting it into practice. Whereas with the separatists, it was just I, nay, the eyes have it. That's yeah. it. Um, <laughs> but of course, it amounted to to very little in the end. Yeah. Although I would say though, I do think this was actually a rogue incident, and the re- reason why I do is because Mina Bonteri before said that. Um, this feels like it's something different, that there's something changing. And she, she was really hopeful about some change. So to be honest, I feel that Mina Bonteri um, had been going through what Padme was going through in a republic in the sense that she tried to step forward and say, we should put amicable peace negotiations on the table. Um, Mina Bonteri for Chancellor Palpatine or for the separatists. We should try and have a peaceful solution to this peaceful resolution um and to be honest i think it was just met with the same no 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 we're at a war um we're not going to stop and yet at this point it all seemed to be coming together yeah and that's what we were saying was the interesting part it seemed so optimistic that actually something was going to change yeah. and if it wasn't the fact that you had sith lords in power it might well have done but then all of a sudden it just dissipated with a click of a finger yeah. and that was really really as you said quite depressing to see really wasn't it yeah yeah it was it was but you know it's it's accurate but depressing um so yeah let's let's uh let's move on a a little bit uh i mean and start talking about uh pursuit of peace i mean you know and heroes on both sides we had the whole little side story with grievous and his droids but we've kind of talked about that and yeah and so we, we as we saw at the end of the episode um you know the 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 attack worked um the republic was frightened and they deregulated the banks. Um, and as a result, we're able to secure an, a new loan, which they, which 
um, Senator Halle Bertoni of Camino suggests to be used towards buying new clones. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk about the death of Mina Bonteri, which happened in what I like to call Star Wars, the off-screen wars, um, where, you know, we kind of came <laughs> a, lot, a lot of that happens. Yeah. Way, Star Wars. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true. But, you know, and at one point, the Clone Wars were Star Wars, the off-screen wars. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, we, we kind of got I, – I remember when this episode came out being very, like – disappointed that they killed off this character um you know now obviously we know this this had happened um it shows the the problems of at the time of, of you know what's going on in the republic and this and the separatists and you know the fact that palpatine is in charge and is able to control everything um but this is one of the this was one of those things like i i, I really felt there was so much potential for this character and there was so much and, and you, she was one of those characters much like padme that like, it, it, after seeing that episode you really hoped that they were going to succeed. You really, really hope they were going to succeed. Yeah, and you want to see them succeed. And, uh, of course, it, it ultimately, uh, ultimately fails for them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, what did you think of, of, of the fact that they killed off Bonteri? Did you think it was necessary, or do you think they could have uh, gone in a different direction with her? If I'm being honest, I think when I first watched it, when I first watched it, I should say, um, it was it was really lost on me <laughs> because um, it, she she was she did have a big big impact. Um, now I watch back um, and watch it as a full arc, I can see the impact. But I think episode by episode, it was a bit like, who was this person again? <laughs> because we hadn't really met. You know, we've only seen her one episode, but she made a relatively big impact. But not not enough, I guess, to remember her name. Um, I, I I think it was necessary though. It really yeah. does illustrate the the crooked nature of just really politics in general, because this is covering both the Republic and the Separatists. But it also illustrates the the conniving and the Machiavellian nature of both uh, Palpatine and Dooku, how they were able to collaborate together and actually solve the problem pretty quickly and effectively. Um, obviously, the Republic um, power generators had blown up, and then all of a sudden you've got, again, the Senate squabbling. It always starts off that, doesn't it? There's always some sort of argument going on in the Senate chamber. It, ne- it never seems to be just peaceful. People agreeing. <laughs> um, but I... You see, it's showing the ultimate puppet master of Palpatine because Padme's there trying to state that, uh, you know, she, you know, basically, th- th- this is not true, that the, the separatists, they wanted peaceful, to establish peaceful relations with the Republic, and Palpatine's there saying, please, senators, listen to the young senator. And then, oh, oh, there's a hologram, there's a transmission that suddenly come out just as he's endorsing Palpatine, sorry, just as he's endorsing Padme, which yeah. says Dooku, withdrawing his peace proposal to the Republic. And it's all crafted so cleverly. And it's really, really just... It's incredible how Palpatine has managed to orchestrate all of this, or I should say Palpatine and Dooku have. Yeah. And that's why I think the impact of Mina Bonteri is very effective, because um, we didn't actually talk about this in the previous episode, but of course Palpatine over here... Here's from Padme, I should say, that Mina Bonteri was the senator who Padme got in contact with. Um, and in the next episode, bang, she's gone. It's just suddenly yeah. a knee-jerk reaction, but it's like, whoa, 
Yeah. It, that it, was quick. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think you hit on something very important there. Um, the, the fact that, you know, Pal- Palpatine, you know, was trying to convince people or trying, making it look like he was trying to convince people to listen to Padme, to say, you know, there is hope for peace. Can we not look for peace? You know, it, it fits in with this persona that he's built and really that he's playing up for Padme, I think. Um, because, you know, I, I think he recognizes her power and that if she sort of said, hey, wait a minute, um, you know, there a lot of things could go wrong. Um, and so he's sort of playing up for it. It's, it's the same kind of thing as in, in Attack of the Clones when he says, I love democracy. I love the Republic. Uh, it's, it's the same notion that he's trying to play up as this reluctant hero, that he doesn't want to go to war. He doesn't want these emergency powers. Um, but he's, he's accepted them. And this is the burden. This is the cross he has to bear. Um, when really this is exactly what he wants. And it just shows the brilliance of Palpatine. And like you said, the timing that, you know, he's, he's trying to convince them to listen to Padme. And that's when the hologram from Dooku arrives. And it, and you know, this episode is very interesting because it, it makes you wonder about the role of Masameda. Because I feel like, um, you know, Palpatine knew he wasn't going to finish that sentence. Uh, and that he had just sort of told Masameda, when I get to this part, um, you know, whisper to me. Or he had put that thought in his head somehow using the dark side. Um, and, and of course there's that great scene at the end that we'll talk about, um, where, you know, Masaneda kind of, it's kind of hinted that he knows what's up, um, with, with, with Palpatine. But yeah, it, it, that was definitely, it's, it's a very interesting point you raised there about, about Palpatine's, uh, ability to control everything, um, to put it bluntly. He, he is a puppet master and we'll get on to, as I said, we'll, talk about that last scene um, a little bit later but yeah. um, I, I, we'll move on to another topic shall we yeah yeah well I was going to bring up I was going to bring up Bail Organa this, this episode is very interesting yeah, Bail Organa he's one of those characters I, I, I think about because you, you wonder I wonder that you know I hate to do this but one of one of my qualms with the, the prequel trilogy in terms of the way it handled Bail Organa is that he was only kind of there, and if he, his name hadn't been Organa, I don't think we would have paid attention to him. And so it's mm. kind of a little bit surprising that he would take um, Leia. And that is that is strictly if you watch it one, two, three, four, five, six. It, I understand fully that you know, having seen four, five, six, we know the importance of the name Organa. We know the importance of this character. That this is the guy who raised Princess Leia. There is obviously something very important about him, so we paid more attention to that. I totally get that. Um, I, I just wish that, from a, a more linear story, he had been portrayed a little bit differently. Uh, but that's one of the great things about the Clone Wars is that it, it kind of fills in those gaps, and we see in these episodes. Um, and, and I should just go back and say it. nothing against prequels. Love the prequels. The prequels are great. Um, I feel I have to say that every time I, 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 I say something ne- negative yeah, about. Yeah, well, but, you see, here's the thing. I, on the one hand, I feel I shouldn't have to do that, but on the other hand, I don't. I, I you also, I also don't want people to, to listen to the show and go, oh, another round of prequel haters. No, no, no. Because here's the thing: we love the prequels. We love George. We love everything that he's done. Um, and but at the same time, we have legitimate criticisms of things like of, of issues in the prequels and the originals and the Clone Wars. Um, and you know, part of this, part of the point of the show is not is it, you know we talk about all the things we love and we talk about how this affects the saga. But at the same time, we also talk about you know lessons that 
the creators can take from that they've learned from this and from previous material and use it as we go forward in this new dawn for Star Wars. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there um, because somebody was, was commenting on our Facebook page about last week about how they felt we were, we were too negative about certain episodes. Um, and, and, you know, I'm, hey, that's, that's valid. There's, uh, we certainly didn't have much good to say about evil plants, that's for sure. Um, but at the same time, it's, it, it, we have, you have to know that it's not done maliciously. It's not done, we're not doing that because we think, oh, this will get us the most listens or the most downloads or whatever. Um, and it's not done to, uh, it's because we want to take George down a notch or anything like that. It, it's very much done, um, just sort of as a, you know, here's what we love. Here's what we didn't like. Here's how we can, here's how we can learn from that and go forward. And that's, that's what I want to say. Uh, anyway, so th- this episode, and again, showing the greatness of the Clone Wars, filling in one of those gaps, um, is it, it really showed us, uh, how powerful Bail Organa was. Cause, you know, Padme says to him, you know, look, people are going to listen to you. People everywhere are going to listen to you. And that's shown by that Corrin senator that, uh, you know, doesn't want, doesn't want to listen to to Padme, um, he says it's not worth you know the risk of being injured um, by those two thugs, by um, Robinino and, and the other guy, um, and 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 uh, but he says he'll listen to what Bail Organa says, and it's it's sort of in that moment that we sort of see okay this is sort of this is who this guy was he is this very powerful person, and this is you know this is why. Princess Leia was raised up to be who she was because she had she was surrounded by somebody like this. And you know, not to say that you know if Padme had have lived and and raised Leia, I think Leia would have come out very much the same way because Padme has a lot of those those same characteristics mm. of Bail, and we we see that at the end of this episode when she gives the speech. Um, so not to say that you know Bail is better for for Leia than Padme would have been. No, I think you know after Padme Bail is sort of the, the next best thing for her and this shows why because he he has such he has these characteristics about him that he can get people who may not always agree with him to listen to him. Um anyways that that's that's what I, I think. What do you think about Bail and, and the way he was portrayed in this this episode? No, I I really enjoy Bail Organa actually more so of course because we see um we see more of his character in the Clone Wars, and that's that's something which we've also discussed in terms of what's good about the Clone Wars, the ability to flesh out characters in the prequels that we don't see enough of. Bail Organa is certainly one of those. Uh, we really get to see that he has a closer relationship to Padme than even I had realised beforehand. I, I don't know about yourself, but it was just... They seem to have this... I, th- I think Bail to Padme is a is a mentor in a way, um, a friend, but someone who she listens to, mm-hmm. um, and certainly respects to such an extent that, as you said, she pretty much proclaimed to Bail that people will listen to you, and I want you to put the speech across to the Senate. Really trusts him in that regard, and I I, I think his character shows a lot of admirable qualities. He genuinely does care about the cause. He cares about Padme. Um, and that's something, that obviously, with the corrupt Republic, you don't necessarily see enough of. In fact, you seem to see more senators akin to um, Bertone and 
the the Transylvanian Deep. senator Deechi. Me, me Deechi. <laughs> I come to suck your votes, not blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So it it was really nice to see Bail Organa, and we, we, obviously we, we there's the deleted scenes in episode three, which I actually the more I think about, it, I wish were put in the film yeah. uh, because it would have been nice to see the real establishment of the Rebel Alliance. But I guess we've got this TV show coming up that <laughs> might have a little something to do with that. That's just an inkling. I mean, yeah, well, I'm, not, I'm not ITK here, but... <laughs> I think it's safe to say we know that Bale's going to be in, in Rebels. I mean, that was in the, the visual guide, so it's, it's safe to say that's out there. That's out there. That's out there. So we'll, hopefully we'll get get some, some interesting stuff with him. And mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see him and Hera interact. Hera interact. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that's neither here nor there for these episodes. Absolutely. Um, and uh, what's your thoughts, Dominic, just to interject about the whole band that surrounds Padme? Because you've got Bale, and then there's Mon Mothma, and there's Anaconda Far, not for long, but he, yeah. he is there. Well, uh, I, I think what you have there is the beginning of the Rebel Alliance, the, the political group. Because it is, it's Mon Mothma, it's Bail Organa. These are the people we know that go on to be key players in the Rebel Alliance. And I, and you kind of get the sense that they have sort of a, 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 some kind of rebellion in the, the Imperial Senate during the, the dark times, um, of sort of voting against the Emperor. Not that there's really, uh, you know, much, much, much they can do about it, but it's sort of a, you know, they're trying to, just the kind of, vote. yeah, protest vote, trying to go against what he says and, uh, you know, just speak uh, speak out against him, not in a way that would get them killed, but in a way, you know, like you get the sense that there's that kind of thing going on. And hopefully we'll see in Rebels how perhaps, um, you know, the people like Bale and Mon Mothma and, and all the other members of, of the, the delegation of 2000 that we see in those deleted scenes that you referenced kind of go to get, go around and unite the different... Uh, rebel groups like the crew of the ghost and the guys on Onderon and, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, and I think Padme would have been a very big part of that had she lived past Revenge of the Sith. And, and so I think, um, you know, we see in Padme sort of uh, somebody who would have been a rebel and perhaps inspires some of these rebels. And, and you just kind of see, you get a sense of where she stands by, based on who she hangs out with. Um, and so, because she's hanging out with, with Bale and, and, and Mon Mothma, we, we know automatically that, you know, she's on the right side. Not that we didn't know that she's, she's the good guy, um, but just from, you know, the Phantom Menace um, and everything that happened in that. But I think just the fact that she's hanging out with these people sort of gives you a sense of where her political allegiances lie, because we know where these guys are coming from, or where these characters like Bale and Mon Mothma are going um, to where they would be you know, key figures in a rebellion against Palpatine. Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let, let's, let's, uh, let's talk about the speech a little bit. Um, you know, Bale, of course, gets injured by these bounty hunters. Um, and uh, as a result, um, Padme has to give the speech, which is what she, she really didn't want to do. Um, and, and she gives the speech and she talks about her handmaiden, Tekla, and everything that Tekla and Tekla's family has gone through. And, and and I'm curious what what you what you thought about that of the choice of using this this sort of this idea of of somebody who you know using them as an example to show these disconnected senators um, what the real people of the republic are are going through. I think it really showcased 
to all of the senators that they were missing the crux, the core of what they were doing there, the purpose, in the sense that they are representing their planet. Yeah. And most of them don't even bother to see the people. Uh, yep. I mean, that is kind of a, a real-world mirror you could put up against oh, yeah. any politicians, <laughs> if we're being brutally honest. Um, yeah. And I think it really worked because it just created this empathy surrounding uh, Padme's speech with her case study, if you want to call it that, this micro-story concentrating on Tekla, which is really heartfelt by most of the Republican senators, even the ones that clearly despised her, um, such as Dietschy and Bertone, they were clapping. It was a golf clap. I mean, it was like, you know, yeah. there is clearly a, a certain level of respect there, wasn't there. it? Yeah. Whether, whether they didn't agree with it, yeah. um, but they respected the speech. And, and that's something that, as we'll come on to Palpatine in a second, uh, touches upon the fact that she is this, this single senator and she's managed to get this Standing ovation from not just senators, but we see that it's played around uh, Coruscant, isn't it, on the television yeah. screens there? <laughs> yeah, I can't. Why is why is this being played all over <laughs> Coruscant? Obviously, the people of Coruscant are a lot more politically savvy than the people of the 21st <laughs> century, because there is no way that this would be playing on jumbotrons around major <laughs> markets on the Earth in 2014. We'd be all we'd be looking at I don't know the World Cup or. or the NFL, we'd all be watching Sunday night football instead. <laughs> anyway, sorry. They have, got the, they have got the cameras, though, haven't they, in the Senate that we yeah. see in episode one, and so it must be broadcasting somewhere. But... C-SPAN, I mean... <laughs> yeah, maybe on the internet or the television. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Yeah, on the but, internet. <laughs> yeah, on the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. SenateLive.net, Coruscant News, live reporting. Um, I think it, it it was just in, it, quite incredible actually to see how far it disseminated across seemingly the city at least uh, how Padme's speech was well received and it was it was a triumph um, as I said earlier that the, the end of the second episode Pursuit of Peace really was hopeful there was hope there was real optimism that there would be some change. It occurs to me as you're saying this, that this this trilogy is kind of the opposite of the original trilogy, you know? And the end of the end of A New Hope is very hopeful. And they blew up the Death Star, for crying out loud. Um, And then the end of of Empire is very dark. I mean, I am your father, Luke has lost his hand, everything is going wrong. And then, of course, you have the great victory at the end of Return of the Jedi. Um, Or so thought. Yeah, whereas, you know, the end of heroes on both sides it's very dark literally and figuratively um and then at the end of the second episode it's really positive and hopeful and then at the end of the third episode it all all falls apart all falls apart um and so what did it, you make of this speech then? well yeah i, I think I, I like you said it's a great speech and it, it makes the, the third episode it makes pursuit of peace all the more tragic because they were so close they were so close to winning they were so close to getting what they wanted done and it fell apart because of, well, really because of infighting. And, you know, somebody, and on a con to farce, uh, history came back to, came back to bite him in the butt, basically, or kill him, basically. Um, uh, literally, I guess I should say. Um, so it was a, 
it was it, it, it's kind of it's a it's a bittersweet moment because it's a great moment for the sh- for uh, for Padme and, and everything and and everything that she has fought for, but knowing where it goes, it's it's tragic because it all falls apart, and because it falls apart, you know, things things get bad. Um, things get really bad. <laughs> you know, First Galactic Empire bad. Um, <laughs> Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that final scene, uh, before we, we move on to, to, uh, Senate murders. That final scene where Palpatine, we finally sort of get that moment with him where he, so he talks about, um, how one senator, um, has, has basically is on the verge of, of almost undoing what, uh, so much of what he's done. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, if Padme had have succeeded, even if the vote had have gone down, I think Palpatine would have orchestrated something, much like Dooku did in Heroes on Both Sides, to cause the Senate to reconsider. But I think he's sort of, he's sort of surprised by this. Um, what did you make of that final scene? I'm curious. I, I loved it. I think yeah. it's one of those scenes that I remember so vividly. Um, you know, as much as people... Um, at the time, didn't really like these episodes, um, from what I could see in the comments, they equally loved this scene, because you really got to delve into the mindset of Palpatine. Um, For the first time, really, I believe, you actually get to witness his true feelings and his true assessment of the situation. As he's talking there with Massimedia, like a fly on the wall in his office, um, which we don't really get to see that often. Yeah. But it was also worked so well because it was really subtle. Um, it was insinuating, but it never r- openly revealed. He never said something to the effect of, I am Darth Sidious, but it's, you know, it's there. If you were the ch- child watching the show, you'd be thinking for the, if not the first time, at least at this point, it would be quite groundbreaking to think, hang on a minute, this amicable chancellor, what's he, what's he talking about? You know, it seems, pretty evil here you know um but i i thought it was really interesting and i'd be interested to hear your thoughts about exactly what he was insinuating because obviously he says he wants to let the wheels of the senate turn so i mean is is that pretty much insinuating he doesn't want to intervene yet or um it's 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 not time yet i mean what what did you make of that whole scene yourself and particularly that last line yeah, well, I think, I think you know this idea that I, I think he hit the nail on the head there. I don't, I don't think he wants to intervene just yet. I think he realizes that you know this is there's something happening here, and he needs to let it play out so he can learn from it how to better manipulate the people. Because if Pal- Padme is successful, then like I said, you know he's probably going to have to orchestrate something, but he's going to learn from it. And I think that's that's part of the genius of the Sith of this rule of two, of being and hiding and not just going out and, and, and running around with a lightsaber and killing people, of really taking a step back, is they're able to watch and learn, and that's how they're able to figure out the, the buttons to press to manipulate the people. And, you know, if, if maybe, maybe these, these, you know, violent attacks against them weren't enough to cause the, uh, the, the votes, the voting to, to change, uh, you know, for the senators to, to make, weren't enough to make them to, to vote the, the way Palpatine wants them to. 
um, that he's going to have to learn a new way. He's going to have to figure out a different way, uh, whether that's going after their loved ones or going after their planet or their people in a subtle way, obviously, perhaps, you know, using his minions to get them to vote the other way. Um, you know, I think Palpatine, uh, you know, I think he's kind of annoyed with Padme, but at the same time, I don't think he writes it off as, I don't think he just looks at it as like, oh, I should kill her. I think he looks at it as like, okay, let's, let's see what we take, what we can take from this and move forward, um, accordingly. Because, you know, Dooku's like, okay, let's just kill Padme. Kill Padme. We've been trying to do it for so long. We might as well do it now. Just kill her. Kill her. Um, whereas Palpatine would be like, okay, let's see. She was able to get people to, to, to believe again, to vote the way that they should or the way, the, the way that she wanted them to. How can I undermine this in the future? How can yes. I go against this? And that is, that is the genius of Palpatine and the genius of the Sith um, in this era. That's entirely true, and it's interesting. The quote he uses, um, I'm going to use it even though it's my final quote, I'll just repeat it, <laughs> but he says, um, isn't it remarkable that one can have all the power in the galaxy and yet the words, words of a single senator can sway the votes of millions? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what he is trying to do. As you said, he's trying to sway the votes yeah. all in his direction. And as you said, he's trying to learn how has she done that? And it's it's quite incredible how he thinks that. Yeah. But I've got a couple of things I want to add on to this scene, because I think it's a fantastic scene. There's, there's a lot to dissect, actually. Um, I guess the first question, which you kind of alluded to, Dooku has ordered the murder of Padme. But if Palpatine... I think Palpatine's got a lot uh, invested in Padme, personally, because obviously the relationship with Anakin Skywalker and uh, as a politician... Maybe she's not as expendable, I don't think, as perhaps she is, is first appeared. But Duke goes along with the fact that she should be killed anyway. So the question is, do you think Palpatine knows about that? And, and the second one I want to ask is, what do you make of the fact that Nasa Maida seems to be in on it? He seems to know that Palpatine is truly a Sith Lord, or at least not who he projects to the rest of the Senate. Okay. Oh, those are two questions to fright you. Yeah, all right. Well, I'll, I'll start with Massimeda. I think um, Palpatine sort of realizes that Massimeda is, is loyal to whoever's in charge and that he's going to be completely loyal to them no matter what. And so he takes that and sort of says, okay, I'm never going to give up this seat, so I might as well let this guy in on some things. And he sort of lets Massimeda know, and he, he either bribes him with, the, the, with more power or money or whatever um, Massimeda is after. Or he threatens him, like, if you reveal who I am, or if somebody starts getting uh, inklings of who I really am, uh, your head is, is, is the first one that's going to roll. Uh, and so I, I think, and I think it, it makes sense with a lot of things that Massimeda does from here on out, and, um, and before it, too, to a certain extent. I think it, it, it all adds up um, that he would be working with Palpatine, or, or really, or rather, I guess we should say working with Sidious. Um, and, and so, so yeah, that's that's my take on Massimeda. As for the Padme thing, that's an interesting thing you bring up. I yeah, Palpatine's plan seems to uh, revolve a lot around Anakin, and and you know maybe maybe Palpatine doesn't think he necessarily needs Padme. Maybe Padme is just one of several buttons he thinks he can press on Anakin that will make him turn to the dark side. You know, uh, you know, and then you know if, if Padme had have gone down, 
Um, I don't think Duke, I, I don't think Palpatine would have been very happy with Dooku. I think there would have been um, serious um, ramifications for Dooku. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I don't think it would have totally destroyed Palpatine's plan. I think, um, you know, Palpatine would have started to plant ideas in Anakin of, about different things. He would have still gone with the whole Jedi are evil, Jedi don't trust you, um, and all that. And he would have found something else. Maybe it would have been Ahsoka. Um, that's very possible as well. Um, even, you know, at this point, Anakin's clearly very attached to Ahsoka. And even when she leaves, he's still clearly very attached to her. So it, it's something that, you know, I think Palpatine realizes there are different ways that he can go after Anakin. Um, whether it's Padme, Ahsoka, maybe even Obi-Wan. Um, I think what you bring up there is, is very interesting, just to interject there. Um, when you talk about the fact that there are a number of candidates, arguably at this stage, Palpatine can choose in terms of particularly Ahsoka and Padme, that there's, there's not that variety, if you want to call it that, by the time you get to episode three. Well, I think pretty much fixated on Padme personally, because Ahsoka's nowhere to be seen. She's sure. left. And the relationship with Obi-Wan, I, I'm certain is getting more and more strained. Um, I, I think he, he later decides to pledge his bets on Padme, which is quite clear. Um, well, it's open to interpretation. Who was the one who actually conceived those visions in, Pad, in uh, Anakin's mind, or those uh, the prophecies, premonitions? But I, I think there's something in there, and kind of what you're saying. But you, you're going to elaborate. I'm I, I'm sure on that. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, yeah, for Ahsoka at the point of Revenge of the Sith. Uh, she was definitely, uh, you know, she was out of the picture in the sense of the Jedi, but I don't, she wasn't dead yet. She's not dead, at least not yet. Um, and so I think in this scenario, um, I, I, I think, you know, I think Palpatine could have gone after her and found her and had her brought back and and used her against Anakin um, if Padme had a fallen. Um, and at this point, he didn't know that Ahsoka was going to leave. I think if we look at Palpatine's mindset in this moment, he has different buttons he can press. Um, those buttons may, um, you know, stop working or, you know, they, they he may run out of options by the time Revenge of the Sith rolls around. But I think Palpatine, you know, he, he's not putting all his be- eggs in one basket. And I, and I think that's that's his genius, uh, is that he's always looking for a new apprentice. He, he, he doesn't think Dooku's going to be just the guy. And, and you can bet that if Anakin hadn't worked out, he would have gone looking for somebody else. And, and, we, and we even, when we see that in, in Return of the Jedi, you know, Darth Vader uh, may have been his apprentice for, for almost 30 years, but you know what? Hey, there's this new kid, Luke Skywalker, on the block. Well, he seems to be more likely. Uh, he seems to be better than 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 Vader. So I'm going after Luke. Uh, I'm going to turn Luke to the dark side. Uh, and, and so I think that is where Palpatine is. He's not putting all of his eggs in one basket. So if Padme had have been killed, um, maybe he would have accelerated his plans and gone after Anakin. But maybe maybe he would. He cer- certainly would have used that. But maybe he would have used someone like Ahsoka as the ultimate turning point later on. Um, and so that's where he is in his mindset now. So I, I don't think for him Padme's death is the worst thing. But I also don't think it's something he really wants either. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, actually. And particularly at this context, he's not necessarily completely focused on that whole situation. He's 
in this moment interested in, in the Senate, isn't he, in the political situation. Yeah. And he's angered by her because she has swung the votes her way and it hasn't gone all his way. Yeah. But as you have said, rather than intervening, he says just let the wheels of the Senate turn. He'll be able to actually educate himself more into this political realm and think, hmm, how can I improve myself? And he's always... And that, that's, as you said, the, the, the cunning and the, and the savvy nature of the Sith. And it, it works a treat, I have to say. Just, I, I, I love that scene. It, it, it's just, even though it's like 30 seconds, it, it reveals so much, doesn't it, really, about yeah. Palpatine's persona. Yeah, totally. Totally. All right, well, um, let's move on and talk about Senate murders. Um, the final episode in this arc, which is, of course, the first one aired in, in typical Star Wars format. Um, and, and um, well, I certainly uh, do enjoy this one. I would say it's probably the weakest of the three. Um, mm. But it's also it's, it's very it's also very interesting that we can we can talk about it. So I, I, on the one hand, <laughs> one of some interesting things that kind of uh, popped out to me just because this was made the third part of an arc. Um, we see Padme giving another speech about <laughs> about this bill. Is this sort of her like you know closing argument? Has there been a, a rebuttal? I, I was just kind of curious about that. I thought that was that was interesting, but at, at the same time, it's it's not a huge deal either. Um, okay, so we we have the death of of Uncle Anno and. Um, Padme and, and Bale and Mon Mothma and everything, they sort of, they change their focus from um, dealing with the issues at hand, which is, um, you know, something we've talked about a little bit before, um, to focus on just getting, uh, to just, to, to finding justice for Anno. Um, and I just, I, I want to ask you, um, was that the right decision? Are they doing the right thing? Or did they ultimately let the Republic down and let their, the, let themselves down and, and let what they believed in slip through their fingers because they were focused on something else. That's, that's interesting, really. I It's one of those situations when we talk about Palpatine letting the wheels of the Senate turn, and by doing so, <laughs> as you said, this has got nothing to do with Palpatine. This is the, the in, inter-squabbles between the Senators, really. Yeah. Um, and it's... It is a bit of a deviation from the effort, and from what we see in this episode, there's a lot of work that can be attributed to Padme trying to discover who the murderer is, rather than focusing on the bill. And I think that's pretty much demonstrated with the fact that the actual bill and the political situation is put on the back line, isn't it? And it's yeah. really a story focused upon um, a detective story, almost, trying yeah. to find out who the killer is and it, look, it has distracted them you would have to say um and it is certainly has, has had had a negative impact um in, in derailing their campaign yeah however i i, I in in terms of this this story the senate murders i it's not it's not my favorite if i'm being honest um i think there's a lot that uh, could have been improved upon, really. Um, I mean, the whole detective story was okay, but I, I, I just think that 
particularly with how the arc as a whole has progressed, the whole story suddenly seems too complicated and and it doesn't seem doesn't seem that clear. It's all very ambiguous. As you said, I can't really tell whether that speech that Padme did at the beginning is the end of the speech that she did in the previous episode. Um, and in addition to that, that whole end vote, we know what happens. Okay, but it's all there's all a bit too much going on, I think, in this episode. And, and I think it gets lost on the audience a bit when you've got um, the ending, particularly with... Um, Palpatine promulgating that there'll be extra clones, this extra five million batch of clones. Yeah, I think it would have been better if the story was directed and centred on that more than the on Onoconda Fast story. Um, again, another character which, at the time of airing, wasn't really a focal point at all, really, was he? Um, so, what, what's your... I know you said it wasn't your most favourite, but, uh, I mean, what you kind of talked about your thoughts a little bit with regards to um, Padme and, 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 the, and the search party, and obviously distract and distracting against their political campaign. But what's your general feedback on that and your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I, I do kind of agree with you um, that after, uh, and this is the, the the thing about trying to you know put this episode into a, a into a, a a previous uh previous arc it, it kind of you know the the focus on those two prior episodes had been so much on the politics and so much on the politics and to take it away from that and you know they they spend the whole episode thinking that it's a uh, political movement and perhaps they think that if they can expose that it was Halle Bertoni or it was Senator Dicci or it was any of these other people who are against them then it will uh, work in their favor, but of course it turns out to be Lolo, um, and it turns out to be a just direct response to what happened in season one, which I'm all for. I think it's it, it's it's cool to I think it's good to to connect the stories like that um, because it makes it feel like a, a series and not just individual stories. Um, so I I I I, I like it, you know, in in that I did that, and uh, you know, like like we've talked about, I mean, we've spent the last who knows how long discussing these political episodes and so it's not it's not so much the politics it's almost that the politics got pushed to the back burner like you said and we we focused on this on this other story that but you know it kind of our our following of that story kind of shows you know what our characters did you know the characters um kind of were torn away from the politics and they focused on on this other story and as a result the ending was not the the ending that they wanted um so you know it, it's I'm not I, I you know I I I do enjoy lots of aspects of this episode but I I do agree with you that you know perhaps in the in the context of this arc it, it doesn't work as well as the other two um, so yeah it, that's exactly what I was thinking yeah anyways um you know and and this but at the same time this arc does also expand on things that we've seen in prior arcs you know we we see sort of the the notion of trying to, to to put down other politicians based on 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 what they believe, you know, um, Dichi accuses Padme of being unpatriotic, and and she fires right back. She calls him a, a warmonger, and then Senator Bertoni sort of accuses the group uh, of uh, of Padme and Bale and and, and Mon Mothma of, of being separatists, uh, and so it was 
it, it kind of sh- continued to show sort of just how, how broken the Republic is. So I, I, and that's something I, I really did. I'm really glad that they continued in, in this episode. Um, because it's something that we see in, in, in the real world today. I mean, you know, you see interviews with politicians and they'll sort of, you know, hint at something. And it's that whole idea that, uh, from, from Sherlock that you can't kill an idea. And so you're always thinking, you know, you know, if somebody says publicly, well, these guys are separatists, even if they say, no, we're not, but they go against, um, you know, things like buying more troops. Well, then there are going to be people that think, oh my God, those are separatists. Um, and, and so that's, it's a very interesting, uh, interesting notion. Um, what did you think about, about Padme, uh, basically launching her own investigation? Was, was she, was she just trying to get justice? Was she, was this her way of dealing with her grief? Um, or did she think that this might uncover something about the vote? Like this is something that could be used, um, in her favor to, to, to get people to vote the way she wants them to and, uh, to defeat this bill. Yeah, it's, I mean, the episode description here that I've got says that, uh, Uncle Arno, in, uh, air quotation marks there, was her favourite uncle. So there was clearly co- close ties to him, in spite of the fact that he did also kidnap and apprehend her in Bombard Jedi. Yeah. He was gonna hand her over to New Gun Ray, but that was kind of swept under the carpet, you know, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> but I, she, she, on a serious note, she did really show major compassion for him, and uh, she known him since since she was a child, and it was really her own agenda. But you can understand; I think that's part of her nature, and and a similar nature to Anakin Skywalker that they are emotional people, and they do feed upon their emotions. I think Padme's better at dealing with it in, in, in the way that she can continue on with politics, a bit like as you said with Mina Bonteri dying, she. She didn't really grieve at all, um, in the same way that Anakin grieved over his mother, for example. Um, but it did have an impact that she really wanted to find out what happened to Anaconda Far. But it obviously it worked in twofold, as you said, that, uh, that no, well, seemingly no one would vote until Uncle Ono's, uh, murder has been resolved. Um, yeah. I don't know why he suddenly became such a vocal <laughs> individual in the Senate, but apparently so. Um, I mean, no one, no one stopped it when Bail Organa was in hospital, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, a good, good timing and a good excuse, I guess. But um, on top of that, though, uh, to finish on this point, and I'll, I'll let you carry on, um, it, it probably didn't help the fact that they had uh, the legendary uh, Lieutenant Tan Devo investigating Tandivo, as well. Yeah. <laughs> who just seemed like such a massive buffoon in this particular episode, as he did in the other episode with the Papanoidas when he was trying to find evidence which, again, the Papanoid has found within seconds. Um, so great investigative work there, Dan Diva. Um, and it was emulated here in this episode, wasn't it? So I think there's just a number of factors here. But, but principally, I think it, it, it did in the end derail her campaign. And I think for Padme, she was focused on it because she really did care and, and, and show compassion for him. But uh, what's, your, what's your take on all of this? <laughs> Well, yeah, I, I think it was kind of a, it was one of those things where, um, yeah, I, I think it was a, it was a very natural reaction for, for Padme. And I think as you pointed out, you know, her and Anakin are both, both very emotional people. And this might be to a certain extent, um, Anakin's, uh, uh, nature, uh, wearing, uh, uh, rubbing off on her because, you know, she, she, uh, 
I, you know, I don't see episode one Padme necessarily doing this. Um, this seems like something that Anakin would definitely do. And perhaps she's been spending so much time with Anakin listening to everything that he's done that she sort of thought, oh, well, or she subconsciously thought that this was the right thing to do. And as a result, you know, it, it kind of blew up in her face, which is not usually what happens to Anakin, but at the end of the day, it kind of is, um, you know, when he turns to the dark side and lives 30 years in, a, in pain um, and then dies. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think she was she was kind of distracted by it. I think it was Anakin's um, nature uh, that it was Anakin basically coming through her um, in this episode. And, and she was acting like she was act, acting like her husband and. Like I said, as we know, that's not something that most people want to do, is act like Anakin Skywalker. So, yeah, that, that was interesting. Well, let's, let's move on. You mentioned uh, Tan Devo, the, uh, the infamous um, detective. Um, this guy, man, how does he, how, how does he get it? How does he get a job? I mean, he, he falls right into Lolo's trap. He falls right into her trap of, you know, like, of, of setting up, um, What's her name? Uh, Halle Bertoni. I mean, yeah. were there not like were there not security cameras? I mean, maybe they weren't because it was their private office, but I don't know. I said maybe, I, and, and I guess there probably weren't if it was her, her you know, it was her her space in the Senate building, and you know, if Anakin Skywalker is able to hang out there, then you know, I guess they probably weren't, but you know, I yeah, you know, but at the same time, it was only somebody who was in the room, so he obviously didn't you know, interrogate the people in the room. Um, what was he doing? What was he doing? I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to go on a, a mini rant here. But as much as he, he's funny and we and we joke about him, but this isn't a, a satirical comedy here. This isn't Star Wars Robot Chicken or Star Wars Detours. This is a, a serious Star Wars episode. And I don't like the fact that they've got this buffoon who's running around Um who, who has ended up following Padme in her yeah. investigation? She's found out more than he has, um, and I know we jo- I joked about the Papanoida thing, but then again, it's just uh, why? Yeah, unless they're supposed to give and uh, promulgate the notion that again the, the Republic's so corrupt that they're hiring these inept police officers is the only thing that I can actually justify the reasons why Tandivo is here because he's so useless he's just a futile <laughs> individual really isn't he um, yeah. there's no other way about it he's, he's making up words as well when he was like senatoride what does that even <laughs> like is that even a word and it's just oh and senating it's like oh my god i don't know what's up with this guy yeah but, um, jump in there like. yeah i i agree i i think i think you you hit the nail on the head the republic is is so corrupt and so broken that you know People who are inept are able to become uh, lieutenants and detectives and and things like that. And uh, you know, and, and as a result, he, he obviously missed this this fact that uh, that you know this wine was poisonous to Rodians, but the other Rodian lived. And I, it just I don't know. It's it, it's not a very not a very he's not the smartest. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. We'll definitely say that, and I agree with a lot of with what you just said about him. And he's kind of the reason that I, that, that this episode. He's one of the reasons that this episode doesn't rank as highly for me as the other two. Um, but anyways, uh, 
Well, let's talk about that wine. Um, I, here's a question for you. Uh, why did the Kaminoans develop a poison for Rodians? That's a good question. And, <laughs> and I don't know what they got against Rodians, but clearly they're not a great fan of them, are they? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird that they would, that this would happen. I mean, I guess it could be something like It was like, convenient, wasn't it? Let's well, be honest. Well, it was, but it could be something like, I don't know, maybe it's like a peanut allergy that like, you know, if you're a rodent or, or if you're, you're, you're certain species, you have to check the label and, and make sure that this is not included in there, you know. I, mean, I have a peanut well, allergy, you, I have to check everything. Um, she, and she went down to the, the, the liquor store and bought one. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it's not. Like, I'm sure it's not that difficult to to to, to procure it. I mean, if it's if it's wine, I you know. <laughs> I, surely they would think it's. Well, I don't think they would sell it in the stores that they know it's poisonous for Rodians. Well, I'm sure I mean, there's. It says. I'm sure it says on the label. <laughs> I and then when, then when she picked it up, did they go and say at the counter, by the way, this is poisonous for you guys, so you probably shouldn't be Well, fine. she might have had... <laughs> she might have had an aide who was um, Biff go and pick it up, and, 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 and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, this is just me being very, very pedantic. Okay, well, uh, hold on, hold on. I, I, I should mention, I just, I just looked up the wine on Wikipedia, um... One, Wikipedia, why is this listed under Legends? It's canon. Uh, and secondly, there was poison mixed in with the wine, I should say. Um, so the poison, uh, so the wine is not so much the issue, it's the poison. Again, why would the Rodians, why would the Kaminoans develop, Kamino? develop a poison for Rodians other than by accident? And they're just like, hey, what if we need this one day? <laughs> they're trying to just, then they, that must have been like the really inept uh, Kaminoan scientist who's like, I am developing this po. I'm developing this poison, and it's going to kill all people. Oh no! It's just for Rodians. <laughs> you know, she she has some like prisoners to to, to test it on. There's like a human and a bit and and a, and a, a Zigerian, we'll say. Um, and they all drink some, and only the Rodian dies. It's like, oh man, seriously, ten years of my life were spent working on this poison, and it only kills Rodians. Well. It's come to the fore now. It's come to the. It's come out in the open. Yeah. So now maybe she'll sell some more. I don't know. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> You'll know. Oh, I didn't know that existed. I have to go and look for that somewhere. Yeah. And I should say, uh, I should say, sorry for my terrible Kaminoan impersonation. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah. Any any Kaminoans who want to write in and uh, complain, then uh, feel free to do so. We are um, on our in our Clone War Strikes Back page, and uh, just put Dominic there. Yeah, three Kaminoans. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> so the, the truth comes out that it is Lolo, the real killer. Um, what did you think of that reveal? Do you think that did, does that uh, make sense to you? Would you rather it have been maybe Dici or or, or Bertoni or um, what do you think? Oh. That's a, that's a good question there, actually. I think, um, oh, I'm lost for words now, my friend. <laughs> well, think, okay, well, then, then, then I'll, yeah, say, let, I'll, let, I'll let you do all that one. Yeah, I'll, I'll say, you know, I, I uh, you know, I, I like that it, it was low. I, I, you know, on the one hand, I would have liked it to maybe tie in more to this arc. Um, but at the same time, I, I do quite, I do think it was a smart move to make her the killer. I think it was, it was a good twist and a twist that made sense because we've seen what happened in season one. And, you know, the fact that he basically got away with that, um, is kind of surprising that there weren't some kind of ramifications. The fact that he's still senator. I mean, you would think that after something like that happened, 
um, this guy would have been fired. Um, yeah, well, of course, it was uh, <laughs> a massive, massive, seemingly veto against the Republic, what he was doing there, yeah. because he was principally collaborating with the enemy. Yeah. Um, and people call him Padme unpatriotic. Well, look at this guy here, you know. Um, well, collaborating with Newt Gunray of all people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, the Trade Federation talk about the Newt Gunray is an extremist. We are neutral, but you know what? Newt Gunray, people know who he is. So if he's working with Newt Gunray, he's not getting out of that one in a jiffy. Yeah. And I just think that, uh, it, it's not, it isn't actually that surprising when I think about it. Um, and I contemplate, the fact that there would be Rodians on this planet who would be upset have, yeah. about the fact that he's betrayed them. And if they truly believe and champion the principles of the Republic, then they will certainly oppose what Onakanda Far did. And some people won't forgive that. Uh, I mean, we said how clearly Padme has forgiven him in spite of the fact that she was the one who was kidnapped. Uh, but others would find it more difficult. And so, you know, she has legitimate reasons for it. And you can't necessarily complain too much about that. Uh, so I, I, I think overall that, yes, she... It, it makes sense that it would be her. But I didn't think it would be her during the episode... Um, because I, I genuinely believe that she was uh, mourning and grieving for him. Yeah, she yeah. was the good guy. But when you watch it again, it it does make sense when you know it's her. Yeah, the twist was. It can't. The twist was good, wasn't it? I yeah, thought. it was well. It was well pulled off. It was well pulled off. And yeah, so that 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 more or less wraps wraps it up for this. Unless you have anything else you'd like to bring up about any of these episodes. Ah, uh, not. I say not too much as though we've only been talking for what, you know, a couple of hours now. It's, uh, yeah, I think, I think we'll round it off now. With, All right. Uh, well, let's, quotes. yeah, let's move on to favorite quotes. Uh, well, I'll, I'll throw it to you first for, uh, for heroes on both sides. Do you have a, a favorite quote or two from that? Heroes on both sides quotes. I do indeed. Um, I don't know why. It's, it's just a quote that I, I, I quite liked, I think. Um, when Dooku, Dooku's talking with the three henchmen. Yeah. Um, and he just says, after our attack, the chances of peace will disappear. Yeah. The Banking Clang, the Trade Federation, and the Techno Union will all get their fair share, and then some. I don't know why. It's one, I think it's one of the quotes that stands out to me because I've heard it in a trailer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was going to say. And, it, and, it, and it, it stands out, but it's also quite a good line. And I, I like how um, Corey Burton has actually voiced Dooku. He, he, he comes off so menacingly, but in, in, a, in a good way, I guess. <laughs> kind, of, okay. kind of the juxtaposition oxymoron there. But, uh, yeah, he was executed well. Um, I'll pass over to you then for a quote. On yeah. Of science. Well, my quote's from, from Ahsoka, and it's, it's about Anakin and Padme. And when she says, uh, you two have more in common than you think, it's no wonder you get along so well. It's a great uh, wink at the camera kind of moment because we all know that there is a, there's a lot more going on between Anakin and Padme that me- than meets the eye, uh, especially for someone like Ahsoka because you know she just kind of sees them as as friends that say hello and and chat every now and again, um, when really there's a a lot more than than that going on. Um, so yeah, so uh, how about from Pursuit of Peace? 
I've, I think I've already said this one, but I'm going to say it in its full. The last line from Palpatine. And he says, isn't it remarkable that one can have all the power in the galaxy and yet the voice of a single senator can sway the thoughts of millions? And Massimeda says, what are we going to do about this? In reply, for now we must adhere to the principles of our democracy. We must let the wheels of the Senate turn. And it's a great line, ain't it? I can't. We've said enough about it, so. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm going to cheat and, and use the same quote. <laughs> I, I, I know we're not. We don't usually do that. But that that line, that moment is just so brilliant and so well done. And, and, and as we talked about before, it's so insightful into who Palpatine is and was really a, a great, great moment. Uh, I, and so I, since I did that, I, I will I'll, I'll go back and I'll give another quote from Heroes on Both Sides just to, to round things out a little bit better. And uh, uh, it's when when Mina Monteri says to Padme, it's so good to see you again, Padme. Just kind of uh, picking up where Kieran left off with the so good to see you again moments, uh, as, <laughs> as the Dean said to Obi-Wan back in, uh, back in uh, that episode, uh, Mandalore plot. Anyways, uh, how about Senate murders? Uh, what is your favorite quote from that senate murders and um, i also have my own one as well from heroes of both sides as soon as you have done too <laughs> which i which i thought was actually quite funny when uh, that, that senator sam says i like this plan and then the moon says nick Ca- nick's card no one cares what you know <laughs> <laughs> oh poor poor senator sam yeah, <laughs> never mind and uh, and the final one as much as I lambasted him, I have actually got on the Tandivo quote. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. He's so inept, but this one pretty much has epitomised him um, when he was like, uh, the killer is targeting the leadership. This is after they've killed Beachy and uh, and, and Fox. So great, great investigative yeah. <laughs> uh, nuance so far. Um, you must stay here under my protection. And then I think Padme after is just like, yeah, we're, we're going to conduct our own investigation or something like that. It's just like, nah, we're not, not going to listen to this guy. It's just oh, an utter buffoon. But yeah. oh, and then what's your Tandivo quote? My Tandivo quote is uh, when he gets asked, uh, what, what makes you think it was murder? I think uh, Padme asks him that, and he replies, poison, of course. The politician's preferred method found a chemical in his bloodstream, killed him right away. It was an obvious case. Politicians have al- always have something to hide, and it always comes back to haunt them. Am I right? Oh, look who I'm asking. Room full of politicians. Um, <laughs> and and what's, what's funny about this is, is well, you know... I, I, Tom Kenny, who played uh, Tandivo, did a great job. I mean, he was very, very amusing to to see on screen, very funny. Um, but if you have the season two Blu-ray or the seasons uh, one to five collector's edition Blu-ray, and you go into the uh, the Jedi Temple archives on there, you can see uh, uh, like a pre-visualization version of this scene. Um, uh, you know, basically just a layout version uh, where the characters kind of move without much. Where they just kind of glide around the around the screen and stuff. And in that scene. Uh, Tandivo uh, says this line, and I believe uh, this was prior to the recording of, of 
of Tom Kenny, and I believe Dave Filoni provided that line. And so I absolutely adored that. And so I, I chose that as my favorite quote because it was, it was quite, quite amusing to hear Dave saying that line. So if you have that, if you have that, uh, capability, go and watch it. It's, it's, it's amusing because, because we all love Dave Filoni so much. And so to hear him, yeah. hear him portraying this character was, was quite amusing. Um, supervising director of the Clone Wars, Dave Filoni, we should say. All right. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Let's do some final thoughts. Kieran, what are your final thoughts on this arc? And uh, score out of 10. And if you want to, you can do episode by episode or uh, entire arc. I'm going to do both, as you are so kindly giving me permission to choose. It's because I want to do both. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we'll start off then. Heroes on both sides. I'm going to give a... It's out of 10. I think in terms of political episodes, it's the best one. It was just absolutely fantastic to actually delve into the political realm of both the Republic and Separatists in an interesting way, which was something that I think the Clone Wars team were beginning to learn, and it was executed effectively in this particular arc. You get to see the Separatist Parliament and the machinations of Dooku, Palpatine, as well as the corporations, the banking clan, uh, the Trade Federation, it was just really, really intriguing. Um, on top of that, of course, you get to see the character relationships between uh, Luxoka, as I'm going to call them, and <laughs> Mina Bonteri and Padme Amidala. It was just really, really intriguing to actually get to <laughs> get to delve into something, uh, into this particular subject matter that actually stemmed from a quote, we must rem- remind ourselves, in the episode 3 crawl yeah. um, which is what Dave Filoni makes mention in the in the featurette so th- definitely go and watch that guys it's really really interesting stuff so great episode 8 out of 10 and I'll uh, summarise these other two a li- little bit shorter Pursuit of Peace I don't wasn't my favourite episode I'd probably give it a 6 out of 10 it, overall it continued the storyline okay-ish um, it wasn't my favourite um, but there were some good moments. I quite liked the speed of chase actually between those two bounty hunters and Padme. It was it was really quite interesting, and the political side was still there. So that, that it, it was as I said a perpetuation of the storyline. Um, but overall, I, I just think it wasn't it, it wasn't the most enthralling episode I've ever seen in my life. And um, unfortunately, I can't give it much beyond a 6 out of 10. Palpatine line has probably also propped that score up quite a bit. Senate murders 4 out of 10 unfortunately it just, <laughs> it was Tandivo, I mean I gave the quote but oh, it just doesn't fit into this into the Star Wars universe, I'm sorry guys but um, he's, he's a good comedic character but that's as far as it goes and the whole storyline with the detectives, it, it, it just seemed a bit too cheesy and cliched, if I'm being honest. Okay, it was quite a good reveal. We didn't necessarily expect it. But I think, unfortunately, it took away from what was actually evolving into quite an intriguing storyline um, between the whole um, deregulation of the banks, as we call it, and the, uh, and the actually approval of extending the size of the armed forces in, by 5 million. So, overall, I would give it then, I think that goes down to about 6 out of 10 overall. So, that's what I was going to say at the start. Um, 6 out of 10, 
okay. Not the not the worst, not the best. But as far as political episodes go, I think it was definitely the best political episodes we've seen so far. Over to you, Dominic. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start off with, with overall for the entire arc. I'll, I'll give it a, a 7 out of 10, uh, a little bit higher, um, and, and I'll break it down sort of as we go through episode by episode. Um, for me, uh, Heroes on Both Sides is is a standout episode uh, in terms of, of, of dealing with, with politics on the series. Uh, it gets an absolutely uh, a 9 out of 10. I absolutely adore that episode. Like I said, it's one of my favorite episodes from Season 3. I, I can't quite put my finger on why, but I just absolutely adore it. I really enjoy seeing the good separatists and I think that's very interesting to see and it's very interesting to see Padme interacting with them and how much she really has in common with them um, despite the fact that they are supposedly enemies in a war. Uh, like I said I, I also in, in enjoyed the, the Luxoka uh, beginnings that we see here uh, and, and it's very interesting to see how that plays out uh, in seasons 4 and 5 um, and, and hopefully, we'll, as we'll see um, beyond that in some other medium or, or other show uh, somewhere down the line. So yeah, 9 out of 10 for Heroes on both sides. Uh, 6.5 for, uh, for Pursuit of Peace. Uh, I, 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 there's so much in there uh, that's fascinating, really interesting for discussion. Uh, but as an episode itself, um, it, it isn't necessarily... Uh, it doesn't flow necessarily the way I think it, it could have or, or, or should have. Um, I felt that the, the speeder bike chase, while cool, was kind of shoehorned in, um, wasn't totally necessary, um, but it was very cool. Um, and, and, and the one thing that I did notice during that, um, it seemed like the police droids were, were sitting there drinking some coffee, drinking calf, maybe, and I thought that was interesting. Um, it was very brief, but it looked like when Padme went zooming past, one of the, the, the cops uh, spilt his uh, spilt his drink, and I thought that was very interesting that police droids are now drinking coffee. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, overall, uh, six and a half for Pursuit of Peace, and then, um, yeah, I'll agree with the, the four for... Uh, <laughs> for um, whatchamacallit there, um, Senate murders. Uh, I, again, I agree with you. Tantivo, well, he's funny, and, and I, I can't help but laugh. I, I don't think he, he fits in overall with the, uh, with, this, with, with the Star Wars, with the serious tone that these episodes were trying to establish, um, and I uh, would have liked to have seen a more serious detective. And if you want to do a, a funnier, more serious detective, I think they, they pulled that off in Season 5 in, in, the, in that first episode of the Ahsoka arc, and we'll talk about uh, that droid when we get there. Um, and, and and I agree with you again. I feel that this this, this side story, while interesting, kind of took away from the what we were building up to in those prior uh, two episodes. So yeah, so it's a nine, six and a half, and a four, rounding out to about a seven for me for for the uh, for this political trilogy. All right, so that is it for this week uh and that is it for season two as well i guess we're we're about halfway through season three and we can finally say we're done season two um and season one tear, folks one yeah. tear. yeah we uh we have got some crazy good episodes coming up we've got the night sisters trilogy mortis trilogy citadel trilogy wookie uh ahsoka duology uh Mon Cala, and it just it doesn't stop it, it keeps going we've got some really good stuff to discuss in the coming weeks and we will hopefully have some very cool people on to discuss that with us um so 
Don't forget, you can catch the show every other Tuesday, and you won't, like I said, you won't want to be missing it for the next little while. It's because we've got some cool things planned uh, every other Tuesday. Uh, you can do that by going to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Clone Wars Strikes Back. Like us there. We've gotten a ton of new likes lately, so thank you everybody for liking. Hope you enjoy the show and uh, what we've got planned for the page because we were going to make that page more active. There's going to be a lot more, uh, a lot more content and, and cool stuff coming. Uh, as we as we get into the second half of the series, because I, I guess we're we're really into the second half of the series at this point. Um, or yeah, halfway through already. Al- almost there. It. Yeah, yeah, almost there. Um, you can also follow us at TCW Strikes Back on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Dominic J twenty five, and you can follow Kieran at C Duggan six. Um, and that's and you can, I'm sure you'll get the episodes there. But the best way to do so is by subscribing on iTunes. You subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld feed on iTunes. That way you get this show and my other podcast, the Star Wars Underworld podcast, which is a weekly show featuring myself and my friends Chris Seiko and Benjamin Hart discussing all things Star Wars, uh, all the latest breaking news, rumors, uh, and everything else. Uh, that's always a lot of fun. Those new episodes every Friday, and then new episodes of the show every other Tuesday, and you find them all on iTunes there. Uh, Kieran, why don't you tell us what is coming up this week, uh, or, or over the next two weeks, on Expression FM? Oh, the university is back, and that means Expression FM is also returning to the airwaves. Yes. And I am absolutely buzzing for it, and, we're, well, I'm principally affiliated with Expression Sports, but I'm also looking at doing a show with a friend down here. Um, we haven't quite decided on the concept of it, but principally linked onto maybe dance anthems or uh, particularly type music called you know, akin to that uh, the ones that you, you guys who go to nightclubs regularly may may hear um, I'm not saying that I do myself I've, I've been a couple <laughs> of times need to need, need and say no more and um, I it's going to be absolutely fantastic loads of sport news coming up I mean the Ryder Cup F1 Premier League football uh, um, I, there is so much good stuff coming our way this year so anyone wants to get involved or listen in, into that show then all I have to do, go on the Facebook page, www.facebook.com uh, slash expressionfm, or go on to the website, which has now changed its handle to www.expression.fm. And if you want to follow it on Twitter, the handle is at expressionfm. So feel free to like the page, listen in, and can't wait to be back on the airwaves. Over to you, Dominic. Yeah, and uh, just also want to remind you, uh, between shows, uh, be sure to hit up StarWarsUnderworld.com for the latest breaking Star Wars news, including Episode 7, Star Wars Rebels, spin-off films, uh, video games, and uh, hopefully... Uh, we may be getting an announcement very soon, possibly within the next three weeks, if the rumors are to be believed, uh, about uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, The Lost Missions coming to Blu-ray. Uh, we talked a little bit about what we'd like to see on that Blu-ray set last week, uh, so you can go back to li- and listen to that and uh, see how we uh, see if anything we predicted or asked for uh, came true <laughs> in there. Uh, so thank you everybody for listening. Uh, We'll see you in two weeks, and may the Force be with you.